Last year, Quinnen Williams had a breakout season. He went from good to great, and it was one of the driving forces behind a big improvement by the Jets' defense. Could Garrett Wilson have the same impact on the offense this year? We'll talk about it today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, May 26th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com, thanking you for making this show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review, and if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find us. Today, we're going to take a look at players who could take their game to the next level for the Jets this season, players who are good, who could potentially become great and have a big impact on the Jets, just as Quinn and Williams did a year ago. And before we get into that, I just want to start with a programming note, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the week, but you longtime listeners probably know this. This is around the time of year where we kind of scale back the schedule and this will probably be the last week where we do shows Monday through Friday, but we're still going to continue to do shows through the summer, and then once the Jets get back into training camp, we'll be back full-time Monday to Friday as we head into the season. And it's a very exciting season with Aaron Rodgers in the mix. Jets have big ambitions for 2023. Let's talk about some players who could take their game to the next level this year. And Quinnen Williams is a guy who sticks out to me last year because he obviously developed in a big way. He took his game to the next level. He was always a good player. In fact, even in 2020, that disaster season for the Jets, Quinnen Williams was putting together a case to be a pro bowler until he suffered a late season injury and had to miss the last couple of games. So it's not that Quinnen Williams, Quinnen Williams was ever bad, but he was never in the discussion as one of like the top five players in his position. Last year, he took his game to the next level. He made the pro bowl. He was an all pro type player. And He's not, he wasn't the only reason the Jets improved from you know, the worst defense in the NFL in 2021 to a top five defense last year, but it was a driving force. And I want to talk about some players who I think could take their game to the next level this year and the impact that could have on the Jets. And the first guy I have in mind is Garrett Wilson. And it's tough to have an encore to what Garrett Wilson did a year ago because he was the rookie of the year on offense. He had over 1,100 yards and by the way, that was over 1,100 yards in a passing game that was near the bottom of the NFL. I mean, there was there was not a lot working for the Jets on offense last year, especially late in the season. And a lot of it goes back to the quarterback play. Garrett Wilson was the one steady force the Jets had on offense. And I think when you have a guy like that, it does a couple of things. First of all, you know, everybody always says this. It frees other guys up if other teams have a guy they have to key on. I mean, for years I've been hearing people try and talk themselves into like, the other team needs to key on Robbie Anderson or Jeremy Curley, and it never really added up. Uh, Garrett Wilson's a guy you actually have to key on. So that's number one. Number two is it at least gives you something you can go to. You know, as bad as the Jets' offense was last year, they at least had somebody they could trust in any situation to go to. And I think that's a big difference. I, th I think as, as rough as things got, there was at least some hope whenever you had the ball because you say, you know what, Garrett's going to get open. We can get him the ball. Maybe he can help us get out of this bad situation that we're in. You know, it didn't always work, but it wasn't a nice thing to have, certainly, for the, for this team. 
So Garrett Wilson's already starting from an excellent point. Now, what will it take to get him to the, that next level? You know, it's one thing to be an 1,100-yard guy. It's another to be a 1,400, 1,500-yard guy. And, you know, a lot of people are looking at Aaron Rodgers, and I think that there's a lot to that. I think whenever you're going from bottom of the NFL quarterback play, probably you know, bottom three, if not the worst, to what should be top 10, if nothing else, you know, you would hope that there's going to be a bump for a player like a Garrett Wilson, probably more accurate passes thrown his way. A lot of it's going to be how much chemistry he develops with Rodgers, how much trust Rodgers develops in him. You know, Rodgers is the type of quarterback, you know, quarterbacks are all different. Some of them, you know, get to a situation and they're just ready to go. Rodgers has always been the type of quarterback where he likes to develop chemistry with a receiver. He's the type of guy who he needs to have trust in you. And it takes, sometimes it takes time to build up trust. You know, sometimes it doesn't, but Rodgers came in and he's got a reputation that I think is well-deserved that some, you've seen it with Green Bay that, you know, it didn't always, it doesn't always click right off the bat for Aaron Rodgers and the receiver. If you look at Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams eventually became one of the best receivers in the NFL. He became Rodgers' most trusted target, but that took a number of years for it to work out. Now, that's not to say that it's going to take a number of years for Garrett Wilson. There are also cases, I think it was true with Christian Watson last year, where Rodgers developed a trust in a receiver a little bit sooner. And I think that, you know, to the extent training camp matters, I think training camp actually could be pretty important for the Jets this year from that standpoint. It's true of all the other receivers. It's true of Corey Davis. It's true of Alan, uh, not necessarily Alan Lazard, but it's true of Nicole Hardman. I think Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, the other Jets receivers, you know, they brought in because Rodgers trusts them. But I think Garrett Wilson's the one I have my eye on because Rodgers wants to know where his receiver's going at any point in time. And Garrett Wilson's a receiver who I think... I guess the right way, the best way to put it is Garrett Wilson's a kind of, the kind of receiver who he likes to freelance a little bit. You know, he runs, he, he does, he's not like a regimented route runner. He kind of looks at what's in front of him. He, he's kind of an unconventional route runner. Maybe that's the best way to put it. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not the type of thing that necessarily means he and Rodgers won't mesh, but it's just Rodgers needs to know where he's going to be at any point in time. And once Rodgers develops that trust in a receiver, it does big things for a receiver's career. You saw what it did with Devontae Adams. And a big question is going to be how quickly can Rodgers and Wilson develop that trust? And if it develops quickly, if they can get it going in training camp or some at some point early in the season, perhaps that takes Garrett Wilson to that next level. And as valuable as a receiver who has, you know, 1,100 yards is, if you can get that up to 1,400, 1,500 yards, it adds an extra dimension to your offense. It just makes things easier for everybody else around him because the bigger of a target share, the bigger, the more production a player gets at the receiver position, the more other defenses have to key on him and the more that just opens things up for everybody else. I, I think another area where I'd like to see the Jets utilize Garrett Wilson a little bit more, I don't think they did this well enough last year under Mike LaFleur, so maybe Nathaniel Hackett will change it. Garrett Wilson is a dynamic player when the ball is in his hands. And I think you look at his running style, you look at the way he moves, He's so effortless when he changes direction. So he can make guys miss in the open field. And I think the Jets should try and utilize that more. And I think last year, you know, they were focused on Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios in those roles. And, you know, not necessarily unfairly. Maybe I've yeah, criticized them to an extent because I think they should have utilized Garrett a little bit more in those situations. Now, the counter to that, to be fair to the Jets last year, is... Garrett Wilson was a rookie, and you know maybe you don't want to put too much on a rookie's plate. You know you've, you're getting a, you're getting so much out of him already. You want him to adjust to the NFL, and then maybe in year two you put a little bit more of that on his on his radar. So perhaps that's some, something the Jets could do 
moving forward. But I, I think that that's, that's the type of thing. And sometimes that's free yardage. And I do think that there's one area like this when we talk about getting the guy, a guy the ball in space where Aaron Rodgers is going to help a lot. And that's on what are known as smoke routes. So sometimes what you'll see in the NFL is a corner is going to give out like, like 7 to 10 yards of cushion. And there may be a run play called, or there may be, it may even be a passing play called. But the quarterback notices this, that his receiver's got a lot of cushion. So what the quarterback does is sometimes he signals it. Sometimes he makes a signal to a receiver. Other times he and the receiver just read it. The quarterback takes the ball and he just flips it out to the receiver. It's, it's known as a smoke route. And sometimes you'll see, you'll see like the running backs moving forward. Like he thinks he's going to get the ball because it's supposed to be a run play. You'll see the, the offensive lines run blocking. Maybe if it's a pass play, you'll see other receivers start out on what they think are routes. But it's one of those things the quarterback reads at the line of scrimmage. And I would imagine that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to do that better than uh, Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson or Mike White were. Rodgers has been around the league so long. So I think that's the type of thing where you, it's one of those things you see good quarterbacks do to kind of get cheap yardage. It's a very subtle thing. I mean, we focus on the spectacular plays. But sometimes the subtle things are, are make as big of a difference. You know, if you can get seven easy yards, the defense is giving it to you for free because the corner is playing too far off. You take it. It makes sense. So I think that there's a lot, lot on the plate here for Garrett Wilson. I'm not worried about Garrett Wilson regressing. I think that he's going to be great. The question is how great. And if he can take, a, take, take his game to the next level, obviously that's a big deal for the Jets. And if he doesn't, look, it's not the end of the world. Garrett Wilson's still a really good receiver. I'll take an 1,100-yard receiver any day of the week. I'll take a go-to guy any day of the week. But if he can take it to the next level, it certainly would help the Jets out. Now, head here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention back to the defensive side of the ball. Jets have a good defensive line. They're anchored by that great player, Quinnen Williams. But I have my eye on another defensive lineman who I think maybe is heading towards a breakout year. We're hoping he's heading towards the breakout year that's been eluding him. It's Carl Lawson, and we'll talk a little bit about more about him as we continue on this Friday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built. You've got to try it. It's the holiday weekend. You're probably looking for a good snack. Well, Built Bars are delicious. What makes them so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they have amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. And best of all, these bars aren't just great tasting. They're also healthy. They have amazing macros. And most bars only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, I've been telling you about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Of course, you can still order your favorite flavors at Built.com, but you can also go to Walmart today, head to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. They have four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs, or run into Sam's Club and grab yourself a 13-bar box of flavors like brownie batter puff or churro puff. You can thank me later. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. We're talking about players who could take their game to the next level this year for the Jets. We've talked about Garrett Wilson, who's already a very good player. Now in this segment, we're going to turn to the defensive side of the ball. I want to talk about a guy who I've been a big fan of since he was a draft prospect coming out of Auburn. I was a little disappointed the Jets did not draft him. And then two years ago, I was delighted when the Jets signed him in free agency. That's Carl Lawson, who of course had a lost 2021 season when he suffered that injury in a training camp practice in Green Bay. He came back in 2022 and posted a productive season, a seven-sack guy, a starting defensive end on one of the best defenses in the NFL. And it's interesting to me because I feel like Lawson always gets a lot of criticism because he's never been a double-digit sack guy. He's always been a guy who generates pressures at a high rate, and people don't like that. 
you know, I hear criticism for that because people act like it's not real production. People act like it's not, you're, you're not really generating anything with that. I, I don't agree with that. I think that we've gotten in this mindset that sacks are the only thing that matters on defense. Look, sacks do matter. I'm not going to act like they don't. Obviously, when you can force a loss for an opponent when they're dropping back to pass, that's a big thing. Pressure does impact the game, though. And I feel like the more we learn about the NFL, the more people are going to start to appreciate pressure. It's The NFL is still kind of behind statistically. It's nowhere near where baseball is or even basketball or hockey. We still stick to these counting stats, which, again, are I'm not saying sacks are irrelevant. Obviously, if you get sacked, get a sack, it's a good thing. But I think we underrate how important pressure is because pressure impacts the other team's quarterback. You know, when Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold goes out and is has pass rushers in, his, in their face all game, people would say, well, they were under pressure all game. How are they supposed to execute? And that was a good point. But for whatever reason, when the Jets are on defense, people don't appreciate the role of pressure. Well, here's the other thing about pressure. Typically, if you, you follow the numbers, players who generate high pressure rate and low sack totals, more often than not, are just unlucky. Yeah, I guess there's an argument to be made that, you know, the finishing your, the play is important, but more often than not, those things even out over the long run. And I think Lawson probably has been one of the unluckiest players because, again, he can beat his guy in front of him. I mean, remember those? Remember training camp 2021 when all the talk was how Carl Lawson was dominating Mekhi Becton and people were you know, using it as an ominous sign for Becton, and which maybe it was, but I think people were also kind of selling short that Carl Lawson was playing really well in that training camp. And the other thing you got to say is he's coming off an Achilles injury, and a lot of people will tell you, it takes more than a year to be fully recovered from one of those. So I think there's a lot lining up here. And a lot of people who are smart analysts, you know, I, I, they will tell you that they're expecting Carl Lawson to eventually have a, have a big season. Now, you know, he's a little bit older. He's not, he's not as young as, as Garrett Wilson. So I don't know if Carl Lawson's going to be a consistent 10-sack kind of guy. But I think he's got the ability to have that career year that's eluded him. And I think... I think Sometimes a guy's a good player, and he, de- he develops into a great player. And that's like what I think is going to happen with Quinn and Williams, where it just took a couple of years, but I think everything clicked last year. Quinn and Williams is now a great player. I'm expecting him to stay a great player. There are also guys who are good players who just have like one year that where they just play their best football, where e- absolutely everything clicks for them. And Carl Lawson's not had that at this point in his career. And I'll give you the sack totals because, again, that's what a lot of people focus on. Um, you know, in Cincinnati, in his rookie year, he had eight and a half sacks. His second year, he was limited to seven games, so he only had one sack. He had five sacks in 20, uh, 2019, five sacks, five and a half sacks in 2020, and then seven sacks last year. So 27 sacks in his career. He's played five seasons. You, you can't count the one that he missed in 2021. Um, so 27 sacks in, across five seasons, a little more than five a year. His best two seasons were his first year, 8.5 and last season where he had seven. And it really kind of amazes me that a starting defensive end on a defense as good as the Jets were last year, who had seven sacks gets criticism, but that's the way things work with loss. And now we know he's going to be back. The Jets restructured his deal a few weeks ago. That was one of the big questions heading into the offseason. We did not know for a fact whether Carl Lawson would remain a member of the New York Jets in 2022 because the Jets were kind of tied up against the cap. He had about a $15 million cap hit. The Jets could pretty much create the full $15 million of cap space by cutting him. And I think without the Aaron Rodgers trade, this may have gone differently. But I think Rodgers so moved the Jets' timeline up that instead of focusing maybe on creating the cap space, the Jets were more focused on making sure they maximize their roster for this year, which makes sense in that standpoint. 
And it gives Lawson a big opportunity. And I think the other thing that helps Lawson out, and goes back to something I talked about in the first segment of our show today, nobody's really going to focus on Carl Lawson. Lawson's not going to draw an inordinate amount of the attention from opposing offenses because Quinnen Williams is the guy. Quinnen Williams is the guy who's going to have to fight through double teams. Quinnen Williams is going to have to deal with the guard and the center frequently, you know, two offensive linemen. Lawson's not going to generate that degree of attention. He's going to, he's going to get a lot of one-on-ones, and he already began to benefit from that last year, I think. He posted seven sacks when, and not just Quinn and Williams. I mean, they're a really good defensive lineman all up and down the line. I think another benefit Lawson has, and I know some people may disagree with this, the fact that Jets have so much defensive line depth means that Lawson doesn't have to play as high of a snap total. So you may say, well, that's less opportunities for Lawson to go out and produce. It's less opportunities for him to go out and get a sack, which is true. But it also means that he doesn't need to conserve energy. He doesn't need to pace himself as much during games because he can go all out and he knows that the Jets can put in another guy. The Jets love to rotate their defensive linemen. And it works when you have this much talent up front. You know, you see the, the Jets roster construction. I think it makes a lot of sense that they've focused so much on the defensive line, even a Will McDonald in the first round this year, because the entire scheme focuses on rotating defensive linemen in and out. And it's the type of thing that I think maximizes the productivity of each each lineman out there. And I think that this could be, you know, I'm hoping this maybe this is finally the year where Lawson puts it together. I don't know that's going to happen consistently, but maybe he finally starts to get his appreciation. Maybe he turns out, maybe he has a huge year. Maybe he posts double digits. I know he'd love to because it's now his contract season. Maybe he prices himself out of the Jets out of the Jets range for 2024. But I think the Jets would gladly take that trade. I think there's a lot lining up here. And if Lawson gives the Jets that second big-time pass rusher. I mean, it takes a, takes a really good defense to the next level. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast. We will close out this episode. We'll turn our attention back to offense. We'll turn our attention back to a second-year player, a player who was on his way to great things last year but was kind of slowed down by injury. We're going to talk Brees Hall as we continue this Friday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Friday. We're talking about players on the Jets who could take their game to the next level in 2023. I'm going to close out the show today by talking about a guy who was already playing at a top level last year. His issue was that he got injured, and that's Brees Hall. Brees Hall was having a special rookie season. I mean, how special was it? Let me give you his stats. 80 attempts, 463 yards. So 463 yards on 80 carries. That's a 5.8-yard average. Brees Hall was averaging almost six yards per rushing attempt last year. Now, he was not going to sustain that. No running back is, can, can average six yards per carry over the long haul. But it shows you the type of special start he was off to. And the thing about Brees was he kind of got off to a slow beginning to the season. You know, he wasn't that good. Week one against Baltimore, he fumbled. I guess he flashed a little bit. He started to show a little bit more week two against Cleveland. Then by week four against Pittsburgh, you started to see things really blossom, where he scored the game-winning touchdown in the in the final moments of the fourth quarter. And then his breakout game was week five against Miami, where he posted almost 200 yards from scrimmage, about 100 rushing yards, almost 100 receiving yards. And from that point, he just took over. Next week in Green Bay, he dominated a long touchdown run, a long touchdown run in Denver the week he got injured. So Brees was already there. You know, Brees was already a great player. And I really wonder how differently the Jets' season goes if Brees Hall does not get injured because Zach Wilson did not have to do a lot when Brees Hall was in the lineup. And it was one of those situations where you could see trouble brewing because the offense wasn't playing that well and the passing game in particular, Zach Wilson, was really struggling. But the Jets were able to weather the storm because they had Brees Hall because they were just so dominant on the ground and that was mainly due to Brees Hall. 
the week after Brees got injured, Zach Wilson had a horrible game against New England. And even though he bounced back with a solid game and a win against Buffalo, it was kind of the beginning of the end for Zach Wilson. Because once the Jets started losing games, it was very difficult for them to keep Zach Wilson on the field with the way he was playing. It was much easier in the early part of the season when Zach Wilson, you know, Zach Wilson may not have been playing well, but he, the Jets were at least able to weather the storm and get enough out of their offense due to Brees. So what's going on with Brees Hall now? Well, first, he's got to recover from the injury. And I, I've talked about this frequently. Every day I've heard this, uh, I've heard this a lot on the show. I don't want the Jets to rush Brees back. And I think they have, with Aaron Rodgers in, in, on the team, they kind of have that luxury where they're not going to need to lean on the run game as much as they did a year ago. So with Aaron Rodgers, and this is going to be a very Aaron Rodgers-centric offense. I mean, I'll let you in on a little secret. This is some expert analysis right here. When you've got a future Hall of Fame quarterback, you let him call the shots on offense. I, I don't know if that's a controversial statement. I mean, if you disagree with me, feel free to disagree. But I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say when the Jets traded for a future Hall of Fame quarterback, the offense is going to be based a lot about what the future Hall of Fame quarterback wants to do. And that buys Brees the luxury of time. And another guy that I liked, I, I, I like the pick of Izzy Abanaconda in the fifth round this year. I think he's the type of guy who, in a running back room, there's a lot up in the air. Because you don't really know what you have in Bam Knight. You don't really know what you have in Michael Carter. Is Carter the solid back from 2021? Or is he the guy who really did not produce in 2022? You don't really know what you have there. And I worry that there might be a temptation to maybe ask Brees to do a little bit too much too soon. And I think Rodgers helps kind of temper that. Now, one other thing I think the Jets are going to need to figure out to do is how to maximize both Brees and Garrett Wilson. And I think part of the reason they struggled to do that last year was just, again, the struggles of the passing game. I think once they just saw that they had issues with the quarterback position with Zach Wilson, they just decided to go run heavy. And Garrett Wilson's production, you know, really went down. It was, what you saw it was week two, Garrett Wilson had that monster game in Cleveland where he scored the winning touchdown, a couple touchdowns, went over 100 yards. Then he kind of went quiet the next few weeks. And part of that was he, he faced some really tough matchups at corner. Uh, he faced Patrick Sertan in Denver. He faced Jair Alexander in Green Bay. But also part of it was the Jets focused more on the run. So Brees took over from there. And then once Brees went down, Garrett stepped up again. So the Jets never really got them both on the, both working at at top level last year. I think that's something the Jets, they'll want to work on this year. Again, early in the season, I think you want to take it very cautiously with Brees. And again, the, the rest of the team gives you that luxury because this should be a good team this year. You've got the quarterback. You've got a number one receiver. So you can lean more on the passing game in the early part of the season. And maybe Brees comes along slowly. And of course, he's going to play. I mean, I don't think the Jets are going to sit him out in the early stages of the season. But as they bring him along slowly, maybe in, you know, as you get to November, December, it becomes an extra dimension to this offense. It becomes an extra thing the Jets can utilize. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Brees can do. I'm hoping that he can be his old self again. And hopefully the Jets have a good plan because he looks special. He looked like one of the best backs in the NFL. He looked like the rare back who you could build an offense around last year in his limited action. And if he gets close to the, being that level of player again, him and Garrett Wilson, I mean, that's going to be a duo who's going to be a lot of fun to watch and take the Jets offense to the next level for the next five years. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on the podcast source, give the show a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next time to talk more Jets.